As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Welcome. Welcome. Oh, my God. I am currently recording inside the law school, so I cannot yell. But it is me, your host, Sam Jam Packard. professional you in the library or something? I'm in a study room. People around me are generally studying. I just It's just not a place where yelling uh, anything is taughtable at the moment. That was the weakest opening. You like yell whisper. <laughs> that, yes, that was the that was my goal to yell whisper. The old yell whisper. Well, if I'm not going to do the Pretty traditional, weak, yeah, me. If I'm not going to do the traditional info. I'm not going to call you the kid that got her legend. I just won't do that. I won't mention that, and or mention the fact that you're a Celtics beat reporter well, from the Athletic. He, he, he's he's Jam Packard. I'm a legend. He's not. I'm a hero. He's not. Jaking, a hero Rando, among right? us who's been traveling uh, with the Boston Celtics. He was there when they put a beat down on the Chicago Bulls. He was there when they rested Jason Tatum and Al Horford and actually played one of the more entertaining games of the year. We'll talk about both of those. And then, of course, you know, the kids has to be in Memphis for the Celtics final game of the year. We will break down all the kind of possibilities where they could end up, whether or not they'll play guys, all things of all of that nature. But Jay, I think we should start with the two games they actually did play. Um, I guess your biggest takeaways from uh, just absolutely dismantling the broken Chicago Bulls. And then uh, what do you think of the decision to, to rest Jason Tatum and Al Horford in that Milwaukee game? That's a really interesting decision. And I don't know if it's the right one. I don't know if it's the wrong one, but I do know it is very interesting because they could have, by playing Tatum and Horford, by winning that game, they could have, the Celtics could have set themselves up for, to be the favorites for the second seed and to control their own destiny for the second seed. Instead, they decided to sit two of their best players who, let's be honest, like, they they may have benefited from a little bit of maintenance, but they were they were not in any like rough shape physically. Al Horford had just dominated the Bulls. He had just gotten two two games off for personal reasons, like a week before. Jason Tatum has been playing huge huge minutes all year, so maybe there's a benefit to to resting him and to resting Horford, who's thirty five and. Um, has has rested, I think, once on um, the second leg of a back-to-back before. But that, that losing that game could be the reason that they play game seven on the road in the second round. It could also be the reason that they avoid Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving <laughs> in the first round. So I, I honestly don't know what the, the right answer was there. There's so much still up in the air that maybe the Celtics just kind of threw their hands up in the air and said, let's let's just rest a couple guys. Let's get them right physically before the playoffs. But it was a decision. Um, it, 
It was definitely a decision. <laughs> That's a cogent analysis there. They definitely made a choice. I think the thing that's interesting is that like, they didn't do it fully. Like you think if they were fully trying to tank the game, then you probably rest Jalen Brown as well, who's like was out of missed that Toronto game for something with his knee. You probably also rest um maybe Marcus Smart, although try asking Marcus Smart to rest that game. It like wasn't a full decision to rest all your guys and fully punt the game. Like they had to know. And had to be confident, like at least the game was going to be competitive. I was personally surprised that giving 18 minutes to Luke Cornett and Sam Hauser resulted in such a close and fun game. But it wasn't like they fully endorsed the tank um, and were like absolutely trying to lose the game. So it's just like it's like maybe it wasn't even a decision at all. Maybe maybe your cogent analysis was incorrect, and they just basically punted and said, "Who knows what will happen." Like the Horford resting makes a little bit of sense. I feel like I saw his post game press conference in Chicago. It looked like looked, the reporters there, you were in person, David, like he wanted some rest. I, 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 I would guess that he already knew he was sitting the next night. And so when he was asked about how he was feeling physically, even though all season long he's basically said, I feel great, he was like, Yeah, um, I'm doing okay. And uh, it was pretty clear at that point that he was probably going to sit the next night. But yeah, I mean, he's thirty-five, but he he whipped the yeah. ass. It wasn't like wasn't like he looked like he was <laughs> like he had a great great game against Chicago. So who knows? Who knows? Um, all I do know is that if they don't have home court advantage in the second round against Milwaukee, that will be a very tough series to win. And oh, well, what are you but the first about? round, they, if they, they do play Chicago them, in the first round, that will not be a tough series to win. Chicago is not very good at this juncture of the season. That's the part that I've been trying to figure out. And I've been wrestling in my brain the past couple of days. It's like, is a Raptors then heat path more difficult than a potential Bulls Bucks path? And it's like, because the Raptors, I think the Celtics, I think the Celtics would beat the Raptors, but the Raptors are going to be so obnoxious to play against. Just like the high energy they bring, the number of like six, eight guys they can uh, throw at you, the obnoxious defensive schemes Nick Nurse is going to play. Um, it's just, it's a, it's going to be, a, it, well, you know, it's, it's the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's going to be a difficult path no matter what. But the Bulls just look awful. Like the Bulls look like it's going to be an absolute cakewalk and Zach Levine doesn't have any sort of athleticism reversed um and so that looks like an easier path now the Bucks is going to interesting question I know the the people who are much more optimistic than me I know uh when we get to Joshua B's crazed rantings probably later in the episode he's going to tell me the fact that the Celtics were that close without Tatum and Horford means they're going to have a cakewalk over the Bucks and I just uh, I just don't believe that to be correct like the Celtics made a crazy number of threes, but I just don't know that uh, necessarily having Tatum, like that game is evidence that once you put Tatum and Horford in the lineup, the Celtics are going to easily win. I think the Bucs are still like the prohibitive favorite to win the Eastern Conference. And so at this point, with the Celtics most likely ending up in the three seed, um, it's looking like the Bucs will be the team in the second round. So I have no idea what choice they're going to make heading into Sunday, but uh, they're just going to have to show up and beat teams. They are going to have to show up. Gonna have to show up how, how good is how good is Marcus Smartman in the two shorthanded games? Like he just took on the leading score responsibilities against Toronto. He took on leading scoring leading score responsibilities against Milwaukee, and just scored I think twenty nine points in each game. Was creating his own offense. Was creating for everybody else. Was I mean, Jalen Brown had a triple-double, too, so Smart wasn't alone in, in doing that. But it's it's neat to see how he kind of transforms when he needs to. Um, and and when Tate, without Tatum and Horford, obviously, those are two of the Celtics' best playmakers. And one Obviously, Tatum's a guy who creates his shot the most. And Smart just kind of said, all right, going to put these guys on my back tonight. And and almost almost pulled him to victory. It was that was a fun game. I mean, what a, what a wild game! Like 
Smart was Smart was drilling three after three. Um, Hauser, Hauser has not, probably the prettiest jump shot I've ever seen. Not like, not his form. I'm not even talking about his form. Just the way, just the way the ball the, the arc of the ball, there. the moon shots. It's like the softest <laughs> shot ever. It's 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 wild. You you watch him and it just like lobs up there. It goes like so slow. I don't even know how he does it. It's it's a of of physics, just a unique physics trick that he pulls every time he shoots. <laughs> it's, it's just <laughs> oh, magic, physics magic. And and uh, I mean I I I I enjoy watching that that dude's shots just flow through the air, but. Yeah, it was it was a crazy game, and then at the end they just stalled out offensively. Uh, at the end, their lack of size hurt them. Like when they don't have Robert Williams, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum, I mean, that, that hurts the defense. <laughs> it definitely hurts the defense. Yeah, and putting the ball as good as Jalen Brown was in getting that triple double, him and Marcus Smart had some bad turnovers uh, late in that game, which kind of led to the loss to the Bucks. You would think. Jason Tatum is kind of be more sure-handed, but you know that's been kind of the issue with the Celtics is like how they're going to perform in the clutch, and it would have been interesting to see how they match up against the Bucks. The Bucks are like very interesting, and like the reason the Celtics were able to stay in that game is that they shot forty percent from three, but they took fifty threes, and it felt like the game plan was if you are open from three, you are absolutely going to take it, and um. I think obviously not having Tatum and Horford made it the Celtics defense a little bit worse, uh, and they gave up 127 points. And I think they've given up 120 points a fair number of times recently without Robert Williams. But the matchup with the Bucks is interesting just because they, I think for the fourth time in a row, lead the league in uh, three-pointers given up. And it's just like, can are the Celtics, that's kind of been one of their Achilles heels all year is just not having that much shooting. Can they for four games just just win the uh, win the battle from the three-point line and just make enough threes to kind of uh, beat the Bucs because the Bucs are going to give them to them. Um, and it's like Derek White was four for eight from that game, and that was like a great sign if you're a Celtics fan, but Grant Williams was 0 for four. Yeah, he's starting, to, he's starting to make shots. That could be a pretty big deal. And it's like, like the Bucs, I think, have an over 500 record in games where they give up more than 20 threes. Like they're – that is – just like clearly part of their strategy. And so it's going to be an interesting tech chess match. If that even happens, I mean, let's break down. Like, let's talk about like the scenario going into uh, Sunday. The Celtics can still end up anywhere from the two seed to the four seed. Um, I'm assuming we're recording this on Saturday afternoon, midway through the Sixers Pacers game. And although the Pacers have, Cut the lead a little bit. It's right now. It's halftime. The the, pay, uh, the Sixers are up by twelve. I'm assuming the Sixers take that game, although they did blow a huge lead against the Raptors. So maybe the maybe the Pacers come storming back as soon as Joel Embiid leaves the floor. But it basically boils down to a scenario: is if the Celtics win in Memphis and the Bucks win, they will get the two seed. And the only way the Celtics end, I mean the three seed, and the only way the Celtics end up with the four seed is if they lose and the Sixers win against the Pistons. Um, the only way to end up with a two seed is if they they win and the Bucks lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers. And that game's a little bit more interesting. It's actually going to be played before the um, Celtics game because the Cavs have something to play for. They could end up, depending on kind of how Sunday turns out, anywhere from the seven seed to the ten. So the, the you would think the Cavs are going to be motivated. The Bucks less so, but before that game in Memphis the Celtics will kind of know where they stand. Um, and so how do you think they're going to approach that game? Like, do you think they sit other guys? They don't really have an excuse built in of a back-to-back. Memphis has absolutely nothing to play for. They're locked into the two seed. If you are Ime, you don't know. Yeah, but John Morant may come back. Like, he was questionable for the Saturday's game. By, by the time people are listening to this, they'll know whether John Morant played uh, so if he doesn't play on Saturday against the Pelicans, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, if they might want that tune-up, yeah. If, if he plays Sunday, and if, if he plays, 
then maybe they'll play some other guys with him to to give him that tune up. So it's it's kind of all up in the air right now. As far as the Celtics go, I think they're gonna play everybody. Um or at least they're gonna play Tatum and Horford, it sounds like. When Emei Odoka was asked about it, he said basically they'll have a bunch of days to rest. They just got rest. Um and he doesn't want them to have like nine or ten days between games. Like that is a long time. So sounds like they'll play at least. Maybe that's why they, they played Jalen and, and Marcus Smart. Maybe they'll sit those guys in the season finale. Who knows? I'm not really sure how they'll handle it. Um but yeah, they they could know by by the end of that Bucks game whether they they could get the two, the three, and kind of be able to to dictate what they do. Uh, but we'll see. I it, it certainly seemed like they weren't a hundred percent invested in getting the two seed. <laughs> but their decision to arrest Tatum and Horford made that pretty clear. Um, and yeah, I mean, you I'm could not, say this. I, I like, wasn't they, saying that they, they're afraid of the, the Nets and want to avoid the Nets. It could have just been like, we don't really care whether we're the two or three. We'd rather have guys healthy and give them a little break and, and not have them play a, a back-to-back grade before the playoffs start. I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're necessarily like trying to avoid that matchup, but they're, they had a chance to go all out for the two and decline that chance. So... It's uh, Udoka said that Greg Popovich never cared about the seedings, like just did not care, just wanted his team healthy, wanted his team playing good basketball by the time the playoffs came. And maybe that's maybe that's what Udoka has decided to like screw it. And and it's really different with the Celtics because, like, as, as much playoff success as Brown and Tatum and Smart have had. They've never been past the conference finals. This is a new team with a new coach. This is not Greg Popovich with Tony Parker and Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. Like they, they knew what they were. They knew how to win on the road. They knew how to execute in, in the, the key moments. They knew what they were, whether they were on the road at home, it didn't matter. Um, but for this, this Celtics team, like being, being at home could matter. And or being on the road as as they might be in a second round series against the Bucks could matter. So we'll see. What what are like? Is there anything that you're worried about as, as the playoffs arrive? Has anything changed about how you're feeling about the playoffs over the last like week or so? Um, and and what what do you see as like? like possible concerns that are lined up for the Celtics. There really are no like huge concerns that have like come about. I think I was initially worried about maybe their offense falling out without Robert Williams. And maybe I'm putting too much into just the smackdown they put on the bowls, but it feels like the ball movement when they're playing their full assortment of guys has still been there. And that like their offense um, isn't like, likely to get as bogged down or ISO heavy. I guess the, the, the one concern is like crunch time in playoff games against a team with a good defense. So against a team like the Bucs, even against a team like Toronto, like I think they're absolutely could, will beat the Toronto Raptors if they end up playing them. But it's like, what happens to that crunch time offense? They just haven't really been that efficient in that. Um, and I think that's like the one, I guess, major concern I would have. I think like, They've shown some defensive lapses when they're not playing their main guys, but you know what? Like, they're going to be playing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown close to 40 minutes a game, and you're going to have Marcus Smart, Derek White. Like, Tice has filled in and been quite good. There's not that many, like, concerns, but I don't think I'm as confident in, like, like, I think a Bucs series is going to go six or seven games. They're just a very talented team, a very good team. I know the Celtics played well against them on Thursday, but it's not like I have supreme confidence that the Celtics would dominate that series or like that would be at all easy. They're the reigning NBA, like, NBA champions with, I think, uh, one of the best players in the league. So 
I don't know if it's necessarily like there's any concerns going in. It's just like you just gotta roll the basketball out there and play some basketball. Yeah, and I think like when when the trade deadline passed and the Celtics acquired Daniel Tice, I honestly thought that was a bad decision. Um or had a chance to to be bad because just not because of him as a player or because of his fit. Like I think his fit was pretty clear. He he, he already proven he'd complimented the team's best players. Um just because of the contract situation. And and I still think that's something that could hinder them uh you know next year. It, it it could be something that either forces them to pay a huge luxury tax bill or limits what they can do or, or forces them to move somebody, maybe Tice himself. Um, but with the Robert Williams injury and the way Tice has played, it, it has been so important <laughs> to get Tice. And, 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 and the the insurance policy that he represented behind Horford and Williams, who were question marks for different reasons, Horford because of his age, Williams because he's he's always had injury issues. Uh, like it, it's just huge to have a dude who can come in and and you don't have to change anything for him. He can run the pick and roll. He can pick and pop. He can switch onto guards. He can play drop and block shots. And he's not the same offensive rebounder that Robert Williams is. He's not the same athlete Robert Williams is, but he's athletic and he can crash the glass too. And so I just think the way he's played after a year or half a year in, in Houston where they weren't even playing him. Like, what were the Rockets doing? I know, I know they got a young team and I know he didn't fit well with Christian Wood, I guess, but like Daniel Tice couldn't play for the Houston Rockets this year. He... <laughs> well, they signed him knowing that Christian Wood was on their team. Like it wasn't like they were forced to accept him. Like they went out and got him. It was a it was a bit of a confusing time in there in Houston. But they're the team that traded for Dennis Schroeder. So can we really uh, act like they they know what they're doing down there in Houston? They uh, that yeah, I mean it, it's funny in retrospect that he did not play at all in Houston because he's come come back to the Celtics and fit really well. And, and he, he is the type of guy who he plays better with with good players. Like he he fits he fits next to really good players well. If if you need if you ask him to do more than that, like you're asking the wrong guy. Um, but but the way he's played, I think has has shored up some questions. Like when after the trade deadline, so some somebody who works for a team reached out to me and said, Tice has been one of the he said maybe the the worst player on the worst team in basketball this year. And I was like, oh shit, like, well, he was pretty good for the Celtics last year. Uh, like he's he's still in good shape. I I I imagine he's he's gonna be okay going back to Boston. But you know, I think there were at least some concerns from, from other people, not, not, not the Celtics, obviously, but, uh, and he's alleviated all of those. He's played really, really well. And like you said, the offense hasn't really skipped much of a beat without Robert Williams, which they haven't played the best competition except for the Bucks. Um, and the making 21 threes like they did against the Bucks, they're not going to do that every night. It's not going to be, Marcus Smart making seven threes and Tice going three for three and Pritchard and Hauser coming in and just going nuts. But I, I do think the the way he's played has uh, lifted some confidence. Like he's going to be okay in a playoff series. I don't know how he'll he'll hold up against if they run into like Joel Embiid or somebody, but um, it'll be totally fine against the Bulls or whoever else in the first round, I think. So what do you think the best path is right now? Like most likely, I think the, whatever the basketball reference probabilities has them getting the three seed, but they still have like a 10% chance to get the two, like a 30% chance to get the four. 
what like it if if you were uh in charge and can kind of just choose what the what the Celtics got, what do you think is their best path heading into the playoffs? Because I just don't don't have an answer right now. I don't it doesn't feel like they really care about seeding, but like I think each of the paths presents uh, an issue, but also they uh, have some advantages as well. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, to, to me, like the Bucks are the best team in the East. And if you could avoid them, that'd be cool. But that would mean falling to four. The, the heat, the heat do, you, do, you, do you tank the game? Do you tank the uh, game just to play the Raptors in the first round to avoid the Bucks? Just, to, just to maybe play the Raptors. And, and honestly, Al Horford came out and said he's vaccinated, but we don't know that the Celtics will have everybody available for that game for sure. Yeah, can we talk about that? Where did that like it came out? First, there was a report that him and Jalen were not vaccinated. Then Himmelsbach reports that Horford is vaccinated. Jalen and Ime said that like everyone would be available in any situation, but they also like didn't say it in a clear way, like everyone is vaccinated and thus will be available. Like they avoided the actual saying, like they, they, I can't tell if they're like trying to pull some Aaron Rodgers shenanigans and like I am inoculated, but like what's going, what's going on there? How do we not know this at this point? And is Jalen saying that he would be ready to play anywhere? Is that enough for us to just be like, yeah, that's, that is true. I honestly don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to report on because uh, obviously there's a lot of privacy issues and obviously those guys have been asked Horford before coming out and saying, telling Himmelsbach that he was vaccinated. Like he gave not a sidestep answer, but it wasn't the same like vague answer that like Jalen gave. And so Jalen giving a vague answer is an indication of his vaccination status whatsoever as seen by Horford. It, it it could be, yeah. I mean, it, it, could, it could be, be, but it could also just be like him being weird and vague. Like, who knows? Because Warford was yeah. just that weird so, and vague. So honestly, I I am not a hundred percent sure either way, uh, and I don't want to speculate on something like that. And it it's been really weird to to try to report on that because obviously it's a big deal. Obviously, you know, even though the Celtics as we record this podcast, are less likely to play the Raptors. Like, there's a chance they play the Raptors. There's a chance the vaccination status moves from, uh, you know, not not just a big deal, like, public health-wise, but a big deal with who's available for games three, four, and, and six of a playoff series. And, and so... If if you have everybody available, let 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 let's act like they would have everybody available. I I do think the Raptors would obviously be a tougher first round series than the Bulls. Um. Oh yeah, the Bulls the Bulls are a joke. The Bulls yeah. uh, and, and I, so, have a zero chance of winning a first round series. So if the Celtics were able to choose between three and four, they should choose three. I think because then first round is a joke. And I, I do think Milwaukee's better, but Miami's great too. And so you're not like really, you wouldn't be happy about facing Miami. So I, I would go, I would go three if I were them, but, but two to me is the desirable seed. And, and I know that that could mean a first round series with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And I know Kevin Durant, especially is terrifying. Um, but I, I, I really don't think the Nets are a great basketball team. And I don't think they have enough size, especially on the perimeter. They're going to be playing a bunch of guys, 6-3 and below. I think the Celtics would score at will in that series. And, and I don't think, if you're a championship caliber team, I don't think you should be worried about the Brooklyn Nets. And I could be proven wrong. Kevin Durant could could absolutely prove me wrong. But but I I would rather play the if I were the Celtics, I would rather play the Nets and have a chance to have home court against Milwaukee 
than the alternative, which would be an easy first round playoff series, easier first round playoff series. And then you have to win on the road against the defending champion. Like that's a really daunting task to me going into Milwaukee and beating Giannis and beating Chris Middleton and beating Drew Holiday. Like that, that is a gargantuan task to ask of a team. And so I, I, I could be wrong though. Like, like Kevin Durant is crazy good. He's crazy good. Like it, he's still it, Kevin Durant. And if anyone could just like single-handedly dominate a series and win if four out of seven, just based on like their own performance alone, like I feel like I would bet on Kevin Durant to do that. I still I agree with you that I think the Celtics are just like a much better team, and the Nets just don't play defense whatsoever. Um, but there is that like fear. Like Kevin Durant took the basically Bucks two seven games last year. Pretty much by himself. I know James Harden was playing, but he had basically had no hamstring. Like Kevin Durant well, is here, capable of doing it, but I think that hold on. that Nets team. I want to I want to fight back against that a little bit because the Nets won the first two games. I think the first well, Kyrie game was still playing, right? I think yeah. I think the first game were they all available? But Kyrie was still one hundred percent for those first two games. Um, so it, it's not like he actually won by himself. He won one game. But, when those other but Kyrie won. will be available in, in this situation as well. And he, Kyrie is agreed, you know, agreed. a good basketball but, player. But I, I think the, the Nets supporting cast isn't as good. Like last year, Blake Griffin in the playoffs was very good for them. He was good defensively. He was able to be physical for them inside. Jeff Green was very good defensively for them. Like they had more defensive options than they do now. Now they're throwing out, you know, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, Goran Dragic, Patty Mills. So many of their best players are tiny and not known for their defense at all. So I just think that even compared to last year's team, which had defensive issues, this Nets team is like, their defensive personnel is is significantly worse. Even Harden, you know, for, for all the flaws he has defensively, he's six seven and a house and can hold up in the post on switches really well. Like what 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 do you do if you're the Nets and you have to switch like Curry, Kyrie, Patty Mills, onto Tatum or Brown, or like even Marcus Martin, Derek White would have size advantages in that in those matchups so i i just i'm not at all sold that the nets will have enough defensively but but then again if kevin durant keeps it close and Kyrie irving keeps it close, it's kevin durant <laughs> then you're in a close game against kevin durant and and that could be scary that could be really fucking scary uh so but, yeah. I mean, Jason Tatum had to score 50 for just to, like, win that duel, that, like, Sunday afternoon duel the Celtics had earlier in the year. Like, it is it is it's quite scary. Here's the question, though. Like, is – who are a scarier opponent for the Celtics? Is it the Nets or would it be the Raptors? I don't know why. I, like, the Raptors have, like, spooked me over the last two weeks. But, like, for some reason, it's just the pesky – maybe it's just the – the series is, that they played against the Celtics in the bubble and that OG shot, but I've been, I like, the Raptors clearly have not had as good of a, a second half of the season as the Celtics have, but they've been pretty damn good, and they've played themselves basically with a chance of getting in the fourth seed, like, if everything breaks their way. Um, and so, for like, my, I don't know. They clearly would not have any of the best players in the series and have no player who's near Kevin Durant, but I feel like just as a team playing basketball, like the Raptors are a better team at this, a much better team at this point um, than the Nets. And I think they're probably, I would actually think they're like the most dangerous first round opponent. And like, I don't think it's at all worth it to try and kind of get the heat in the second round to drop down to play the Raptors, just because I think the Raptors are playing pretty damn good basketball right now. And as much as I hate him, I think Nick Nurse is a pretty good coach. Yeah, he's a really good coach. He would junk up that series. If you listen to Tatum talk about the last time they played the Raptors in the playoffs back in the bubble, like he, he said that was like the most grueling series that he's ever dealt with. And 
that team, that Raptors team was a little different. Obviously, they had Kyle Lowry, um, but sort of the 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 same the same philosophy they they have now, which is that they just have a ton of guys who can guard their man, and they play tons of different coverages. They'll switch in zone. They'll they'll do weird stuff. They have just a lot of guys that that can give you problems. And and so so yeah, I, I do think they can. They'll be a tough out. I, I I don't think they have enough like shot making, like against against a great defense. Uh, and Pascal Siakam has to hit like a bunch of jumpers that he's created. I mean, here's their biggest yeah, problem. And, it's all coming down so to that, That's their flaw. But I do think like they could really give you a tough series. And win or lose, like you come out of that, you're, you could be, you could be bruised. You could be, you know, I, I don't think the Celtics ever really recovered from that series against the Raptors in the bubble. If you remember that series, it was two nothing. I think you would, I think they'll win. The Celtics would absolutely win, but it's just like, do you want to go through an absolute dogfight of, at like, I would say a maximum six games before heading into the second round to play like the Miami Heat? It's just would it just wouldn't be fun for the Celtics. It would just be like grinded out games where they're like Jason Tatum's getting draped and covered, and they're throwing out zones that we never even uh, seen before. Oh, this is a total sidebar. How do you feel about uh, two three zones in uh, men's league games? <laughs> Don't get me started on that. That is the most cowardly bullshit a, a, per, a person <laughs> can do. If if you're if you're capable of playing men's league and 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 you're capable of getting out there and physically stepping onto that court, then play fucking man. It's, I don't care if you don't have any subs. <laughs> I, I don't care. Like, this is fucking men's league. If you're sitting back in a zone, I, I played in one league where almost every team played zone. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it's terrible. Like, like, why are these teams all playing zone? Like, this is this is so fucking stupid. Just guard a man and man up. Uh, I, I some sometimes you got to throw out a zone if if like the other team is just torturing you or something. They have a guy you just can't guard, whatever. But if zone is your primary defense, I, and even if it's not, like just fucking man up. Honestly, I, that, that <laughs> pisses me off. I, I I'm sure some people will uh, disagree with this take. But, but you should play man to man in men's league. And if you don't, you're the so, biggest coward. So I was in my, <laughs> I was in my men's league semifinals against a team uh, that we had beaten twice before, and they exclusively play zone for the entire, like every single game of the season. They have like one of the um, proposition Joe guys who like he basically brought a clipboard to the game. He didn't wear the full suit, but like is coaching his men's league team. We fell down by 20 in the first half just because we could not hit a shot in the 2-3 zone. So we were just like, man, we got to – if they're going to go zone, we're going to go zone. And we come storming back. We tie the game. We actually got up one, but then ended up losing by two. But it was just like the second half of the game where it's just two, three, two teams playing 2-3 zones. Like, this is not why we come out here. This is just, like, nonsense. Like, we're not practicing zone busting. It was just ugly basketball. And I, as a basketball fan – and participant, I hated to see. I hate that we had to resort to playing two three zone to defeat the two three zone, but it was uh, it was just poor stuff. It should be outlawed. Uh, maybe like occasional zone. If you're gonna go zone, give me give me something else than two three. Give me a, a hustle man zone. Give me a half court trap. Maybe a one three one. The, the team even ran a, a couple possessions of box in one on our best guy, and I just thought this is not what men's league is about. It was disgusting. I mean, you you should have slapped that dude. <laughs> he is uh, about you, five you inches taller have, than me, and like got the hundred pounds on me. <laughs> it it does not matter. At some point, if you're throwing out a box and one in fucking Mesley, you deserve to get Will Smith. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U S based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I have another ethical question. This is on the on the courts of a, a pickup. I played my first outdoor pickup yesterday, and the first game was like, oh, everyone's shooting to make teams. And this kid was like 13, got in the line to shoot, and he ended up making a shot, so he ends up on the team. And I end up playing against him. I end up match. What kind of pickup game are you playing? You're playing against 13 year old. It was like everyone saw him on the line, but no one was like gonna be enough of a jerk to be like, "Yo, man, you can't play with us." And so like we went to let him. Play. Sorry, brother. This is for the big boys. Well, uh, you'll see what happened. Um, I end up matching up against him. I'm not gonna like go hard. Like I made the decision. Like I'm not gonna like. I'll play on him. I'm not going to like sag off on defense and just like completely make it unfair against the other team. Like I want people to still have a good run. I didn't attack him on offense. Pretty much. I, I just got the ball. I shot, I actually made a couple shots. Which is, as you know, J King is shocking for me. Um, but like midway through the game, this, this kid is yeah, shooting is. just like threes. And I, I'm basically giving it to him because they're not going to go in. And at some point he just shoots one or tries to shoot one. Uh, close to me and like way too close where he should have known like he had no chance of getting the shot off and so it just instincts kicked in and I I just time lord blocked him I just stuffed his shit uh, into the next uh, into the backcourt just like completely demoralized it I didn't like want to be mean but uh, it came off as mean and he immediately quit the game and left the playground and I want to know if I was uh, in the wrong at all for um, making this 13-year-old boy uh, leave the playground in shame. You are in the wrong. <laughs> you are in the wrong because you didn't do it earlier. You, you waited until, I done until on the first that shot. stage of the game. You, you should have, the first time he got the ball, you should have, Marcus smarted that shit out of his hand, just gone in <laughs> and ripped it away. You should have, you should have, when you got the ball, nice. you should have hit him with the shoulder, fucking gone straight to the cup. I'm not going to hurt the kid. <laughs> I'm not telling you to hurt him. I'm telling you to show him he doesn't belong on that court. He knew. He knew he didn't belong on that court. Once you blocked him, he knew. But it, you should have let him know that a long, a long time before that. You know, you you got to learn it. If you're going to play with the big boys, you got to be a big boy too. And so, some 13 year olds are ready for that. Some <laughs> are. But if you're not, go to some other court. We're we're not here to baby your your seventh grade ass. We're we're not here. We're not here ben. to. To, to be sensitive to, to your feelings. We're here to get dubs and we're here to, to get, get our, get our cardio up. We're here to get a sweat in and we're here to kick some, some ass, whether that's 13 year old or not. So I, I am ashamed of you. I'm just ashamed of you in a different <laughs> way than, than you probably expected. I think the fact that he left uh, exonerates me from all uh, wrongdoing because it shows he wasn't ready to play. Like I played, I've hooped with like some teenagers before who like play, uh, high school basketball and like are you ready for the wild world of chaos that it, that is joshua b yes yes i am 
All right. Now, Joshua, before you get on, we're, we're going to have to <laughs> institute some rules. We, we gave you, we, we gave you like ten minutes last we, time. We're going to we got the new Josh rule. Until the point here. Yeah, this is the new Josh rule. The new Josh rule. Um, we're we're going to hit the mute button if if you if you hijack the show too much. We we love you. We love your your opinions. But but we have to implement the the Josh rules from now on, Josh. What do you feel about the Josh rule? I don't hijack the show. Where is this coming from? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you're coming into you're coming into our lane. I I, I feel threatened by your presence. So well, I, do, then do us all a favor. Since I'm coming into your lane, do us all a favor. And when you start the show by saying we have to talk about two games, don't just focus on the Bucks loss because you should be focusing also on the fact that we rode the, those we rode those Chicago Bulls like a mechanical bull to the tune of 23 points. And we stomped them into the ground. Like, we owned those people. Can you hear me? Or, okay, every, everyone has owned the bulls. Lately. Yeah, including us. And that's sort of the point. Right? Yeah, but the, that's like celebrating me for blocking the shot of a 13 Okay, how about, like, just not how, about a, this? how about we celebrate the fact that we took the lead against the Bucks over and over and over and over again. Can we celebrate that? Because I celebrated that. I celebrated it watching the watching the entire game. That we continue to take the lead despite missing Tatum, despite missing Gorford, and despite missing Rob Williams. And we're not going to miss any of those three the moment that we hit the Bucks when we're in the second round. Or we could celebrate that we're going to face the Bulls again in the first round, more likely. Or we could celebrate the idea that the Toronto Raptors are going to blow the 76ers' boards off. Let's celebrate any of that. I thought that Bucks game was an outstanding reminder to everybody who watches the Celtics that we are five points better than the Bucks at their place on the road, assuming we have Jason Tatum and Robert Williams and Al Horford. We took that lead over and over. And that game was a statement. That was a statement to Jay King. It was a statement to everybody. That, But the person that it was really a statement to was um, – was Chris Middleton who discovered that yes, he's going to have to card Marcus Smart, or he's going to do exactly what I predicted on the podcast, which is score thirty-five points um, a game. I, I seem to remember saying that, um, and that is ex- that's damn close to what happened. You know, no no takes. Nobody. So if the, if the Celtics if the Celtics were to play the Bucks in the second round, how many games do you think the Celtics would need to beat them in, uh, in a series? Answer me only one question, and I promise you I will answer yours. How many starters do we get to play with? Do we, do we have to go all the way down to one the way we did against the Raptors? It's do, the full complement of starters. It's Rob Williams, and you don't know how he's going to perform coming back from his torn meniscus. Celtics in five. <laughs> Celtics in five, and that's with the Bucks having home court advantage. We win. Get, we split the first two. And we win our two at home, and then we come home, and we remind the Bucks that before last year, we were we, we were better than them, and we're still better than them if we have everybody. And Robert Williams. So do you? So show. okay, in a, in a in a hypothetical finals against the Suns, how many games would it take the Celtics to win? No, we would lose against the Suns. But getting through, <laughs> but getting but getting through the Eastern Conference is a completely different story. I'm not even sure that Miami is going to be able to um, handle the Raptors. You know, I think the Raptors, I agree with Jay King. I think the Raptors are playing phenomenal team basketball right now. Every game that I watch of the Raptors shows them, shows them whopping on people, much like the Celtics whenever we're not sitting starters. Really? Really? I mean, that's my take on it. That's, that's what I think is going to happen. I get it, that I'm a bit of an optimist. But I also think that the reality of the situation is that every loss that we've had over the last month has been with us sitting people, whether it's Al Horford due to personal issues, whether it's Jason, whether it's Jason Tatum doing this knee tendinopathy or Jalen Brown takes a night off or whatever. And we still lost to only, I mean, I think we've lost to like four teams in like the last two months. And all of those teams have been Eastern conference contenders. And all of those teams have, have faced us when we have been down our complement of starters. No, here. There's my ten minutes. See you in the I think, ten I think it's a. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a. 
Oh, I, I clicked the button too early, but I think it's a fair point that Josh brings up. Like the Celtics have been very good, especially with all their starters. I don't know what they're going to get from Robert Williams when he comes back, but like there's reason to be quite optimistic in any playoff series the Celtics play. Like there's no, there's nothing they have done over the past two weeks that would say uh, they're not going to be at least in every single game that they play. Like I just would be shocked if they got blown out in any sort of playoff city. I know some very smart people who think the Celtics, if they are healthy, should be the favorites in the Eastern Conference. So you know Josh B. I do know Josh. Josh B is a very smart man. He's a very smart man. I I I don't think they should be the favorites just because Milwaukee has done it before, and that means something to me. But but yeah, they're 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 up there, and they've played ridiculous basketball over the last few months. Nobody's played better, even the Suns, although they're they're ridiculous. And I think during that stretch, they have an even better record than the Celtics. They have just been humming along, no matter what, whether they have Chris Paul or not. That is a, a fair point. I've um, I've run out of things to say about Boston Celtics. I think we can uh, rejoin you guys and give you some more uh, analysis once we figure out what the actual seed is. I'm guessing it will be the three seed. I think they win in Memphis uh, and then just kind of lock themselves into the three seed. And we'll have a very easy uh, series against the Chicago Bulls. Jay, any predictions? I know you don't like making predictions, but where do you think the Celtics end up? Uh, and where, like what seed? Do you I think they play? end up in the, the, the three seed just because that's the most probable. Oh, Jay King, playing the odds. Sticking with the odds. But but who knows? I mean, Milwaukee could decide to sit everyone, and Milwaukee's in in the driver's seat really to determine who gets who gets to play where. And may, maybe they decide, you know what? We'd rather not see Kevin Durant in round one. But maybe they don't. Maybe they fucking don't, Packard. Celtics. <laughs> maybe maybe they don't. Playing the odds, figure it out. All this uh, playoff chicanery. We'll be back early next week. I already, uh, I can't yell. We've already established this. I'm in uh, the law school. So, Jay, um, I'm just going to give it to you to, to end the podcast. Anything is potable. <laughs> you coward. You coward. <laughs>